Welcome to Bible in a Year with Bill. In this podcast, the goal is to make our way through the whole Bible in a year. Each day we'll be reading from either an Old Testament or a New Testament book, as well as a chapter or two from a more contemplative book, such as Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, or a few others. This year I've decided to read from the Message Paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. This paraphrase is an excellent, easy-to-understand writing that will help to introduce new readers to biblical stories and concepts. It also helps more advanced readers to discover Mr. Peterson's take on the scriptures. Either way, it's a fun paraphrase, and I hope you will enjoy it with me. Let's go. Well, hello there, and welcome to March 20th. My name is Bill, and you're here with Bible in a Year with Bill. We are reading through the message. Today we are starting another new Old Testament book, and that would be Deuteronomy. And this is a fantastic book. I love it. It's sort of a repeat of everything that's happened so far. It's, I guess, Moses' version of a summary of everything he's written in the previous four Old Testament books. So today we're going to be reading Deuteronomy chapters 1 to 4, and then we're going to finish up today's reading with Psalm 40, which is... A good one. I waited patiently for the Lord. So, Deuteronomy, chapter 1. These are the sermons Moses preached to all Israel when they were east of the Jordan River in the Arabah wilderness, opposite Suf in the vicinity of Paran, Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to travel from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, following the Mount Seir route. It was on the first day of the eleventh month of the fortieth year when Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything God had commanded him concerning them. This came after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who ruled from Ashtaroth in Edrai. It was east of the Jordan in the land of Moab that Moses set out to explain this revelation. He said, Back at Horeb, God, our God, spoke to us. You've stayed long enough at this mountain. On your way now, get moving. Head for the Amorite hills, wherever people are living. In the Arabah, the mountains, the foothills, the Negev, the seashore, the Canaanite country, and the Lebanon, all the way to the big river, the Euphrates. Look, I've given you this land. Now go in and take it. It's the land God promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their children after them. At the time I told you, I can't do this, I can't carry you by myself. God, your God, has multiplied your numbers. Why, look at you, you rival the stars in the sky. And may God, the God of your fathers, keep it up and multiply you another thousand times. Bless you, just as he promised. But how can I carry all by myself your troubles and burdens and quarrels? So select some wise, understanding, and seasoned men from your tribes, and I will commission them as your leaders. You answered me good, a good solution. So I went ahead and took the top men of your tribes, wise and seasoned, and made them your leaders, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, officials adequate for each of your tribes." At the same time, I gave orders to your judges, listen carefully to complaints and accusations between your fellow Israelites. Judge fairly between each person and his fellow or foreigner. Don't play favorites. Treat the little and the big alike. Listen carefully to each. Don't be impressed by big names. This is God's judgment you're dealing with. Hard cases you can bring to me. I'll deal with them. 
I issued orders to you at that time regarding everything you would have to deal with. Then we sent out from Horeb and headed for the Amorite hill country, going through that huge and frightening wilderness that you've had more than an eyeful of by now, all under the command of God, our God, and finally arrived at Kadesh Barnea. There I told you, you've made it to the Amorite hill country that God, our God, is giving us. Look, God, your God, has placed this land as a gift before you. Go ahead and take it now. God, the God of your fathers, promised it to you. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. But then you all came to me and said, Let's send some men on ahead to scout out the land for us and bring back a report on the best route to take and the kinds of towns we can expect to find. That seemed like a good idea to me, so I picked twelve men, one from each tribe. They set out, climbing through the hills. They came to the Eshkol Valley and looked it over. They took samples of the produce of the land and brought them back to us, saying, It's a good land that God, our God, is giving us. But then you weren't willing to go up. You rebelled against God, your God's plain word. You complained in your hearts, God hates us. He hauled us out of Egypt in order to dump us among the Amorites. A death sentence for sure. How can we go up? We're trapped in a dead end. Our brothers took all the wind out of our sails, telling us the people are bigger and stronger than we are. Their cities are huge. Their their defense is massive. We even saw Anakite giants there. I tried to relieve your fears. Don't be terrified of them. God, your God, is leading the way. He's fighting for you. You saw with your own eyes what he did for you in Egypt. You saw what he did in the wilderness. How God, your God, carried you as a father carries his child. Carried you the whole way until you arrived here. But now that you're here, you won't trust God, your God. This same God who goes ahead of you in your travels to scout out a place to pitch camp. A fire by night and a cloud by day to show you the way to go. When God heard what you said, he exploded in anger. He swore, not a single person of this evil generation is going to get so much as a look at the good land that I promised to give your parents. Not one, except for Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He'll see it. I'll give him and his descendants the land he walked on because he was all for following God, heart and soul. But I also got it. Because of you, God's anger spilled over onto me. He said, you aren't getting in either. Your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will go in. Build up his courage. He's the one who will claim the inheritance for Israel. And your babies of whom you said, they'll be grabbed for plunder. And all these little kids who right now don't even know right from wrong, they'll get in. I'll give it to them. Yes, they'll be the new owners, but not you. Turn around and head back into the wilderness following the route to the Red Sea. You spoke up. We've sinned against God. We'll go up and fight, following all the orders that God, our God, has commanded. You took our weapons and dressed for battle. You thought it would be so easy going into those hills. But God told me, tell them, don't do it. Don't go up to fight. I'm not with you in this. Your enemies will waste you. I told you, but you wouldn't listen. You rebelled at the plain word of God. You threw out your chests and strutted into the hills. And those Amorites, who had lived in those hills all their lives, swarmed all over you like a hive of bees, chasing you from Seir all the way to Horma, a stinging defeat. You came back and wept in the presence of God. But he didn't pay a bit of attention to you. God didn't give you the time of day. You stayed there in Kadesh a long time, about as long as you had stayed there earlier. Deuteronomy chapter 2 
Then we turned around and went back into the wilderness, following the route to the Red Sea, as God had instructed me. We worked our way in and around the hills of Seir for a long, long time. Then God said, You've been going around in circles in these hills long enough. Go north. Command the people. You're about to cut through the land belonging to your relatives, the people of Esau, who settled in Seir. They are terrified of you, but restrain yourselves. Don't try and start a fight. I'm not giving you so much as a square inch of their land. I've already given all the hill country of Seir to Esau. He owns it all. Pay them up front for any food or water you get from them. God, your God, has blessed you in everything you have done. He has guarded you in your travels through this immense wilderness. For forty years now, God, your God, has been right here with you. You haven't lacked one thing. So we detoured around our brothers, the people of Esau, who lived in Seir, avoiding the Araba road that comes up from Elath and Ezion Geber. Instead, we used the road through the wilderness of Moab. God told me, and don't try to pick a fight with the Moabites. I am not giving you any of their land. I've given ownership of Ar to the people of Lot. The Emites, which are monsters, used to live there. Mobs of hulking giants like Anakites. Along with the Anakites, they were lumped in with the Rephaites, which means ghosts. But in Moab, they were called Emites. Horites also used to live in Seir, but the descendants of Esau took over and destroyed them the same as Israel did in the land God gave them to possess. God said, It's time now to cross the brook Zered. So we crossed the brook Zered. It took us 38 years to get from Kadesh Barnea to the brook Zered. That's how long it took for the entire generation of soldiers from the camp to die off, as God had sworn they would. God was relentless against them until the last one was gone from the camp. When the last of these soldiers had died, God said to me, this is the day you cut across the territory of Moab at Ar. When you approach the people of Ammon, don't try and pick a fight with them, because I'm not giving you any of the land of the people of Ammon for yourselves. I've already given it to the people of Lot. It is also considered to have once been the land of the Rephaites. The Rephaites lived there long ago. The Ammonites called them Zamzamites, which means barbarians. Huge mobs of them, giants like the Anakites. God destroyed them and the Ammonites moved in and took over. It was the same with the people of Esau who lived in Seir. God got rid of the Horites who lived there earlier and they moved in and took over, as you can see. Regarding the Avites who lived in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorites who came from Kaftor, which means Crete, wiped them out and moved in. On your feet now, get started. Cross the brook Arnon. Look, here's Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. I'm handing it over to you. It's all yours. Go ahead, take it. Go to war with him. Before the day is out, I'll make sure that all the people around here are thoroughly terrified. Rumors of you are going to spread like wildfire. They'll totally panic. From the wilderness of Kedemoth, I sent messengers to Sihon, king of Heshbon. They carried a friendly message. Let me cross through your land on the highway. I'll stay right on the highway. I won't trespass right or left. I'll pay you for any food or water we might need. Let me walk through. The people of Esau who lived in Seir and the Moabites who live in Ar did this, helping me on my way until I can cross the Jordan and enter the land that God, our God, is giving us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, wouldn't let us cross his land. God, your God, turned his spirit mean and his heart hard so he could hand him over to you, as you can see that he has done. 
Then God said to me, Look, I've got the ball rolling. Sihon and his land are soon yours. Go ahead, take it. It's practically yours. So Sihon and his entire army confronted us in battle at Jahaz. God handed him, his sons, and his entire army over to us, and we utterly crushed them. While we were at it, we captured all his towns and totally destroyed them. A holy destruction. Men, women, and children. No survivors. We took the livestock and the plunder from the towns we had captured and carried them off for ourselves. From Aror, on the edge of the brook Arnon, and the town in the gorge, as far as Gilead, not a single town proved too much for us. God, our God, gave every last one of them to us. The only land you didn't take obeying God's command was the land of the people of Ammon, the land along the Jabbok and around the cities in the hills. Deuteronomy chapter 3 Then we turned north and took the road to Bashan. Og, king of Bashan, he and all his people came out to meet us in battle at Edrei. God said to me, Don't be afraid of him. I'm turning him over to you, along with his whole army and his land. Treat him the way you treated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon. So God, our God, also handed Og, king of Bashan, over to us. Og and all his people, and we utterly crushed them. Again, no survivors. At the same time, we took all his cities. There wasn't one of the sixty cities that we didn't take. The whole region of Argob, Og's kingdom in Bashan. All these cities were fortress cities with high walls and barred gates. There were also numerous unwalled villages. We totally destroyed them, a holy destruction. It was the same treatment we gave to Sihon, king of Heshbon, a holy destruction of every city, man, woman, and child. But all the livestock and plunder from the cities we took for ourselves. Throughout that time we took the land from under the control of the two kings of the Amorites who ruled the country east of the Jordan. All the way from the brook Arnon to Mount Hermon, which means Syrian, is the name given by Hermon to the Sidonians. The Amorites call it Sinir. We took all the towns of the plateau, everything in Gilead, everything in Bashan, as far as Salika and Idre, the border towns of Bashan, Og's kingdom. Og, king of Bashan, was the last remaining Raphaite. His bed, made of iron, was over 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. You can still see it on display in Rabbah of the people Ammon. Of the land that we possessed at that time, I gave the Reubenites and the Gadites the territory north of Aror along the brook Arnon and half the hill country of Gilead with its towns. I gave the half-tribe of Manasseh the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan, Og's kingdom, to all the region of Argom, which takes in all of Bashan. This used to be known as the land of the Raphaites. Jair, a son of Manasseh, got the region of Argob to the borders of the Gershonites and Makathites. He named the Bashan villages after himself, Havoth Jair, which means Jair's tent villages. They're still called that. I gave Gilead to Machir. I gave the Reubenites and Gadites the land from Gilead down to the brook Arnon, whose middle was the boundary, and as far as the Jabbok River, the boundary line of the people of Ammon. The western boundary was the Jordan River in the Arabah all the way from the Kinnerath, which means the Sea of Galilee, to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea or Dead Sea, at the base of the slopes of Mount Pisgah on the east. I commanded you at that time, God, your God, has given you this land to possess. Your men, fit and armed for the fight, are to cross the river in advance of their brothers, the people of Israel. 
Only your wives, children, and livestock, I know you have much livestock, may go ahead and settle down in the towns I have already given you until God secures living space for your brothers, as he has for you, and they have taken possession of the country west of the Jordan that God, your God, is giving them. After that, each man may return to the land I've given you here. I commanded Joshua at that time, You've seen with your own two eyes everything God, your God, has done to these two kings. God is going to do the same thing to all the kingdoms over there across the river where you're headed. Don't be afraid of them. God, your God, he's fighting for you. At that same time, I begged God, God, my master, you let me in on the beginnings. You let me see your greatness. You let me see your might. What God in heaven or earth can do anything like what you've done? Please let me in also on the endings. Let me cross the river and see the good land over the Jordan, the lush hills, the Lebanon mountains. But God was still angry with me because of you. He wouldn't listen. He said, enough of that. Not another word from you on this. Climb to the top of Mount Kizgah and look around. Look west, north, south, east. Take in the land with your own eyes. Take a good look because you're not going to cross this Jordan. Then command Joshua, give him courage, give him strength. Single-handed he will lead this people across the river. Single-handed he'll cause them to inherit the land at which you can only look. That's why we have stayed in this valley near Beth Peor. Deuteronomy chapter 4 Now listen, Israel, listen carefully to the rules and regulations that I am teaching you to follow, so that you may live and enter and take possession of the land that God, the God of your fathers, is giving to you. Don't add a word to what I command you, and don't remove a word from it. Keep the commands of God, your God, that I am commanding you. You saw with your own eyes what God did at Baal Peor, how God destroyed from among you every man who joined in the Baal Peor orgies. But you, the ones who held tight to God, your God, are alive and well, every one of you, today. Pay attention, I'm teaching you the rules and regulations that God commanded me so that you may live by them in the land you are entering to take up ownership. Keep them. Practice them. You'll become wise and understanding. When people hear and see what's going on, they'll say, What a great nation! So wise, so understanding. We've never seen anything like it. Yes, what other great nation has gods that are intimate with them the way our God is with us? always ready to listen to us. And what other great nation has rules and regulations as good and fair as this revelation that I'm setting before you today? Just make sure you stay alert. Keep close watch over yourselves. Don't forget anything of what you've seen. Don't let your heart wander off. Stay vigilant as long as you live. Teach what you've seen and heard to your children and grandchildren. The day when you stood before God, your God, at Horeb, God said to me, Assemble the people in my presence to listen to my words, so that they will learn to fear me in holy fear for as long as they live on the land. And then they will teach these same words to their children. You gathered. You stood in the shadow of the mountain. The mountain was ablaze with fire, blazing high into the very heart of heaven. You stood in deep darkness and thick clouds. God spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw nothing. No form, only a voice. He announced his covenant, the ten words by which he commanded you to live. 
Then he wrote them down on two slabs of stone. And God commanded me at that time to teach you the rules and regulations that you are to live by in the land which you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. You saw no form on the day God spoke to you at Horeb from out of the fire. Remember that. Carefully guard yourselves so that you don't turn corrupt and make a form, carving a figure that looks male or female, or looks like a prowling animal or a flying bird or a slithering snake or a fish in a stream. Also carefully guard yourselves so that you don't look up into the skies and see the sun and moon and stars, all the constellations of the skies, and be seduced into worshipping and serving them. God set them out for everybody's benefit, everywhere, but you, God took you right out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to become the people of his inheritance, and that's what you are this very day. But God was angry with me because of you and the things you said. He swore that I'd never cross the Jordan, never get to enter the good land that God, your God, is giving you as an inheritance. This means that I am going to die here. I'm not crossing the Jordan, but you will cross. You'll possess the good land. So stay alert. Don't for a minute forget the covenant which God, your God, made with you. And don't take up with any carved images, no forms of any kind. God, your God, issued clear commands on that. God, your God, is not to be trifled with. He's a consuming fire, a jealous God. When the time comes that you have children and grandchildren, put on years and start taking things for granted. If you then become corrupt and make any carven images, no matter what their form, by doing what is sheer evil in God's eyes and provoking his anger, I can tell you right now, with heaven and earth as witnesses, that it will be all over for you. You'll be kicked off the land that you're about to cross over the Jordan to possess. Believe me, you'll have a very short stay there. You'll be ruined, completely ruined. God will scatter you far and wide. A few of you will survive here and there in the nations where God will drive you. There you can worship your homemade gods to your heart's content, your wonderful gods of wood and stone that can't see, hear, or eat, or smell. But even there, if you seek God, your God, you'll be able to find him if you're serious, looking for him with your whole heart and soul. When troubles come and all these awful things happen to you, in future days you will come back to God, your God, and listen obediently to what he says. God, your God, is above all a compassionate God. In the end, he will not abandon you. He won't bring you to ruin. He won't forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he swore to them. Ask questions. Find out what has been going on all these years before you were born. From the day God created man and woman on this earth, and from the horizon in the east to the horizon in the west, as far back as you can imagine and as far away as you can imagine, has as great a thing as this ever happened. Has anyone ever heard of such a thing? Has a people ever heard as you did a God speaking out of the middle of the fire and lived to tell the story? Or has a God ever tried to select for himself a nation from within a nation, using trials, miracles, and war, putting his strong hand in, reaching his long arm out, a spectacle awesome and staggering, the way God, your God, did it for you in Egypt, while you stood right there and watched? You were shown all this so that you would know that God is, well, God. 
He's the only God there is. He's it. He made it possible for you to hear his voice out of heaven to discipline you. Down on earth, he showed you the big fire, and again you heard his words, this time out of the fire. He loved your ancestors and chose to work with their children. He personally and powerfully brought you out of Egypt in order to displace bigger and stronger and older nations with you, bringing you out and turning their land over to you as an inheritance. And now it's happening this very day. Know this well then. Take it to heart right now. God is in heaven above. God is on earth below. He's the only God there is. Obedient, live by his, obediently live by his rules and commands, which I'm giving you today so that you'll live well and your children after you. Oh, you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving you. Then Moses set aside three towns in the country on the east side of the Jordan to which someone who had unintentionally killed a person could flee and find refuge. If the murderer was unintentional and there was no history of bad blood, the murderer could flee to one of these cities and save his life. Bezer in the wilderness on the tableland for the Reubenites, Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites, and Golan in Bashan for the Manassites. This is the revelation that Moses presented to the people of Israel. These are the testimonies, the rules and regulations Moses spoke to the people of Israel after their exodus from Egypt and arrival on the east side of the Jordan in the valley near Beth Peor. It was the country of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon. Moses and the people of Israel fought and beat him after they left Egypt and took his land. They also took the land of Og, king of Bashan. The two Amorite kings held the country on the east of the Jordan from Eroer on the bank of the brook Arnon as far north as Mount Sion, that is, Mount Hermon, all the Arabah plain east of the Jordan and as far south as the Sea of the Arabah, which is the Dead Sea, beneath the slopes of Mount Pisgah. Psalm Chapter 40 I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked. Finally he listened. He lifted me out of the ditch, pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. They entered the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Nothing and no one comes close to you. I start talking about you, telling what I know, and quickly run out of words. Neither numbers nor words account for you. Doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. So you've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter that you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life, became part of my very being. I've preached you to the whole congregation. I've kept back nothing, God. You know that. I didn't keep the news of your ways a secret. I didn't keep it to myself. I told it all how dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth. For myself alone, I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. 
Now, God, don't hold out on me. Don't hold back your passion. Your love and truth are all that keeps me together. When troubles ganged up on me, a mob of sins past counting, I was so swamped by guilt, I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head, so heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. Soften up, God, and intervene. Hurry and get me some help, so those who are trying to kidnap my soul will be embarrassed and lose face. So anyone who gets a kick out of making me miserable will be heckled and disgraced. So those who pray for my ruin will be booed and jeered without mercy. But all who are hunting for you, oh, let them sing and be happy. Let those who know what you're all about tell the world you're great and not quitting. And me, I'm a mess. I'm nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes. But God, don't put it off. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would bless this reading today. As I was praying and studying about what to say as we begin the book of Deuteronomy, I found this introduction written by Max Licato in the New King James Inspirational Study Bible. If you've ever been part of the following scene, you'll know you'll never forget it. Inside the house is a quiet bedroom. Last spring's grad photo sits on the bedside table. On the shelf are the collected Lego figures, hockey cards, and other trinkets accumulated over the last 18 years. Outside the house is a packed car. Both trunk and seat are full of clothes, books, video game console, and stereo. What was in the room is now in the car. The one who used to live in the room is about to drive the car to college. Both parent and child are stunned by the moment. What happened to childhood? Who fast-forwarded the years? Why, just yesterday this child was filling the house with cartwheels and Play-Doh. Now look, he's so tall. She's such a beauty. The child is grown. The grown child is equally stunned. The road ahead looks lonely and long. There is safety in these walls. Protection. Security. Those pleas for independence so recently voiced are unheard today. Just say the word, Dad. I'll stay. Just ask me, Mom. I won't leave. But Mom and Dad know better. They know that love releases the loved. They know the training is over, the last bell has rung, the class is dismissed, and the application has begun. And so, parent and child hesitate at the side of the car. There's no time to teach new truths. There's no time to instill values or lay foundations. There is only one word that can be said. Remember. Remember who loves you. Remember what matters. Remember what is right and what is wrong. Remember. In Deuteronomy, God tells his children to remember. Israel is about to make a transition. For 40 years they have wandered. Now they are about to settle down in a new land. It's a time of transition. From Moses to Joshua. From the wilderness to the promised land. From nomads to farmers. From people with no land to people of the land. God wants them to stay faithful, stay distinctive. For 40 days, Moses teaches the words we are about to read in this book. God repeats what he has already taught. Deutero means second. 
Nomos means law. Deuteronomy is a second hearing of the law. God didn't want them to forget. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful spring day as we make our way through the message paraphrase of the Bible. Each and every one of these books of the Bible contains wisdom, history, emotions, and love for God's people. They all point to the greatest love of all time, the love of a Holy Father who sent His Son to live among us, die a horrible death for us, and rise from death to save us. This is an amazing story of amazing love. It's been great hanging out with you today, and I hope to see you here again. Take care now.